Listener Production. Hi, I'm Dilrup Jaya Singer. My health and wellness journey began when I lost over 30 kilos. Since then, I've learned how focusing on being healthy both physically and mentally can turn your life around and put you in the driver's seat. And it isn't all eating kale and doing 100 burpees either, although we probably will talk about that. I'm lucky enough to be joined by experts as well as a bunch of idiot comedy mates of mine to talk everything from weight loss to waking up refreshed. Um, without the meditation music and wind chimes, please. In this episode, I chat with fitness champion Andrew Pep about the role fitness plays in a healthy life. An ex-Australian beach sprinter and fitness trainer Katie Williams shares her tips on where to begin if Jim Grunting isn't your cup of tea. Given that in episode two, we have more of a focus on movement and exercise, fitness in general, it would be again remiss of me not to bring back my good podcast hubby. Ben Lomas, to talk about exercise. Welcome back. <laughs> Hello, Dilly. How are you? Now, we have so much to unpack in terms of exercise. Yes. Because we're both at that age and we're realizing we're limited in what we can do. So, <laughs> so let's first of all go through some painful stories about the things you love to do that gives you so much joy exercising, which you unfortunately can't do as much anymore, which is indoor soccer. Yes. I know. Yep, that's true. I cannot play indoor soccer anymore. It absolutely kills me because I have no ligaments left in my left ankle. So I've got a few extra ones if you want to borrow mine. I, I would do anything. I, I've been told that really the only thing that's holding my ankle together on the left side is my skin. So Are you serious? Mate, and, and for people who don't know with ankles is uh, I is is once you do them, you, mm. you really do it. But now it's like I will double sprain it. So when you go roll it out to the left – when it recorrects itself, it goes the other way. So you roll oh. it on both sides. Oh, how exciting. It's brutal. So therefore the swelling is absolutely horrific. And the thing I can't do anymore is, unfortunately, indoor soccer. Because for anyone who knows and plays, is that's where you do ankles. You're stepping on other people's feet. Uh, you know, you're turning quickly. It's, it's the worst. What were the things you loved as a kid? Like you did basketball as well. And that's where it started. Right. So my idea, I think I sprained my first ankle at 14 because I played in three different basketball teams. And I mean, does it count as playing if you're just sitting on the bench? No, no, mate. Excuse me. <laughs> Under-18s, A-reserves, uh, Melbourne Tigers represent. Oh, I, I take that back. They are, no, I, I was obsessed and I, and I was trying everything to do to get into the state team. I was basketball obsessed, like yeah. basketball, 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 basketball. But then, you know, I, you know, I was strapping up my ankle already at the age of 16 because I just knew it would go and I wouldn't be able to play it. One of the hardest things for anyone to do, I think, is acceptance. Just accepting where you're at right now and being okay with that, especially if you're not a version of yourself you've tasted in the past before. You know? Yeah. When did you first realize that, uh-oh, this style of, you know, like soccer, indoor soccer, isn't for me, oh, I can't do this anymore. And what was that process like? Because I feel like a lot of listeners can relate to that idea. I think when you're younger you can always recover. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like your recovery time's quicker. But once you become an adult and you work, if you injure yourself and mm. you can't work, you don't earn any income. So therefore you can't pay rent. Oh, that's And so for me, it's when I was, I was working behind bars and that was my only form of income that when I rolled my ankle, I was like, I actually can't go to work. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, no, this is not worth it. So I was like, I have to actually make a decision. Either I work on my feet or I play indoor soccer. The two aren't working. Yeah. And I know what this feeling is because I remember once 
as a kid going skiing with my parents, right? The mm. rare opportunity they were like, hey, let's go on a skiing holiday. You should ski with actual skis. Don't ski with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my mum wouldn't do it. And I said, why are you doing it? She goes, if I injure myself, because I'm a physiotherapist, I can't work. Right. If I don't work, I can't provide for my family. How much has that then, having kids, becoming a father and realizing the responsibility you have for them and also, you know, supporting your partner and, you know, being fit enough to be able to do those things, how much does that play a motivator to your current fitness? Huge. It's probably the biggest. You want to be an active parent, but also you want to be able to support your family well enough to be able to also participate. Mm. Like if you're injured and you can't do it, you miss out on stuff. Like it's, it's really hard. And if it's, you know, like, you know, and back in the day, my drinking days, is I would roll my ankle mm. uh, because I was drunk and yeah. then I couldn't do anything. And, and you was, don't feel it when you're drunk. So no, you keep yeah. walking on it. Yeah, you're just like, ah, oh, that'll do, that'll be fine. The next day you wake up and go, I can't walk. Yeah, yeah. So I really, really miss indoor soccer. Mm. Um, and 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 I and that's also the same reason why I don't play basketball. Like, I just like, I just if the ankle goes. So the only sports I can really play is, you know, as you know, this I, I love cycling. Yeah. Like, I love it. Like, it's my main main mode of transport yeah and if i could you know go for bigger rides then you know i have the opportunity i will go like for instance we're doing this podcast yes uh we're in a certain part of melbourne i already know how i'm going to get home and it's twice the distance of how i got here so i know what bicycle path i know uh which hills i'm going to take uh, i'm going to tie myself uh you know i've got the smartwatch. like now it's like riding's become sort of my sense of competing with myself right so this is tapping into a very interesting area which is about choosing a physical activity that you're actually excited about doing for doing sake rather than going, if I do this, I'll lose weight and then I'll be happy. Like you're already excited about this, the ride because yeah. you like riding. Yeah, I love it. And love it's it. one of the mistakes I think I made for 30 plus years, which is trying to choose a fitness activity that I thought I had to do because that's what someone else did and lost weight yeah. doing or something like that. Whereas I'm like, no, no, no. Find the thing that you're excited about doing because it's fun to do and the exercise benefits are the bonus part of it. You know what I mean? Totally. The activity is the motivation in itself. And, look, and they're not always going to be fun, right? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like in my ideal world, I would like to have sex three times a day because that's fun and I reckon I'd stay fit, right? But that's not, that's logistically not possible. I did not see <laughs> this bicycle turning into that area, no, but let's just stay here. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So with cycling, you... you so wait, what... <laughs> Like, but in in an ideal world, that it would be your ultimate form of fitness. Oh, oh my god! It's just the idea of it, like you just if you, I I sometimes look at fit people. I'd hate to be your personal trainer. <laughs> Come on in, Ben. What would you like to do today? Go. Well, let me tell well, you. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, but it's just like cycling now is where to work your core. <laughs> the, that's the problem. I wish I could sit up. Yeah, how much of a workout is it if you're actually just yeah, lying yeah, down? Yeah, no, you got to switch it up. Like you can't, yeah. you can't do that the whole time. Anyway, but uh, cycling though is uh, so talk if, about bad for your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> so cycling, right? Is you, I feel like you're uh, killing two birds with one stone because you're like, especially like if I'm going somewhere like today or uh, or you know like I've got to go pick up the kids later. Like I've mapped it out. So that's my exercise. And like some people go, oh, but no, but if you actually exert yourself and then actually turn it into something, then therefore you're actually having a proper exercise. If I was just pedaling at, you know, six kilometers an hour, which is, you know, nothing, then of course I'm not going to get a workout. But because I already know how I'm going to do it, then I can make it fun. Because I've had the mistake 
which I think a lot of people have, is when you hit 40, they're like, nah, I'm going to get fit again or I'm going to do that. Where you hit the gym and you just injure yourself. You're like, you know what? I can bench press 100. And then before you know it, you've popped, you know, three ligaments in your elbows, for instance. Like, right. do you know what I mean? Like, I've done that a thousand times. But now I'm like, w- w- just stay on what works. And at the moment now, cycling works for me because, you know, it do- I don't injure myself. And the other one that I do twice a week, which I absolutely love, and I'm getting heaps of dads joining us, oh, yeah. is uh, Reformer Pilates. Right. So that's that's well, twice a week, and I absolutely love it because it's a full body workout. But I'm not going to roll the ankle. It's not action based. It's no. very focused and very kind of like mindful. Yeah. You're very mindful about the each and you've got someone day. guiding you as well. Whereas when you're doing like say indoor basketball or sorry, well like indoor soccer or basketball, it's 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 erratic. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're, yeah. The way the, you're running around. Whereas this, it's very focused and and again, you're not alone, right? No. But I do want to mention a few things off the back of that. One, I feel like I'm at least trying to push the idea that, you know, you know, I said when you're writing slowly, it's not doing anything. Like, surely I'd like to push the idea that doing something is better than nothing. A, a, a quote that I try to live by for myself is because I get really frustrated if I'm running really slowly or, I'm, you know, I'm not as fast as I was last week or whatever. I keep reminding myself, hey, no matter how slow you're going, you're still lapping the version of yourself that's on the couch. And I get but motivation the thing about by it that. Is- is just move. When you say just move, like I can't aggressively agree more. You know what I mean? Because that was another fault of mine. So let me just take us back to start of 2018 when we started doing the pod. My first goal for the first two weeks was to just wear the active wear. And I know that doesn't make any sense because what kind of work are you getting if you just... But for me, I was trying to shift my identity from someone who doesn't prioritize exercise to someone who does or thinks about it at least that I would put my shoes and socks and my um, active wear near the bed. So when I rolled out of bed, it's right near my feet and I had to wear it. And once I wore it, I told myself, that's all you need to do today. That'll do, pig. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah. Right? And, and it sounds really simplistic and dumb. But the truth is, once I did that, when I would go to get my morning coffee, I'm like, well, I'm already wearing the active wear. I'm just going to go for a walk around the block. Because it feels impossible to go for a run at that time, especially when you're carrying that excess weight, yeah. right? So just giving yourself small wins, like saying, hey, I'm just going to wear the active wear today. You feel almost silly to not go for an extra walk. And those walks became, you know, two walks around the block or then I'd go for a 10-minute walk and then the 10 minutes and then I'll run for like jog for like a minute. And then, then I got that app called Couch to 5K, which slowly progressed me from, well, I think it was like three minutes of running and 15 minutes of walking. That was like day one. And then I'm, you know, over 20 months, I think I kind of did slow progression and ended up doing 42 kilometers on the marathon. And the reason I'm saying that is partly to brag, but also to <laughs> to, to also point <laughs> out that it's so cliched, but every journey starts with one small step. And for me, that small step was to wear the active wear and celebrating that I'm even doing that. If you consistently stick to something and just give minor incremental improvements, for me, that's been immense benefit and it's something that I'm trying to remind myself right now because I had some health issues and had setbacks from back injuries to heart attacks so I'm trying to remind myself just put the work in no matter how small it is it's all going to add up my uh, my running coach has given me a great analogy which is a phone book you know the old school phone books the yellow pages and stuff each page is so thin and doesn't feel like it's strong but you stack those pages together and it's so thick it's hard to rip up you know what I mean so that's how I'm trying to think of each workout. No matter how insignificant and small it feels, even if it's a 15-minute walk, that's still stacking that book up. Totally. And what was yours for you? Uh, for me, I always think back, what was the first thing? 
when I was like, I need to move, I remember it was like, well, if Teo's not sleeping, I'm just going to put him in the pram and walk. Right. So I remember started walking around my neighbourhood at 4.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. And so I would just do laps of the park because I was like, well, there's no point in all of us not getting sleep. So I remember that was for me. And then once the kids started sleeping through, I'd wake up early and just go for a walk before they would wake up, before the mayhem would kick in. And that's why people always say it's like the best thing to do is to do the workout before you start the day because then you've got it out of the way, which mm -hmm. I totally agree. Because then that led into me then for those next 80 months playing squash. Like mm -hmm. I just became obsessed with squash. And then I had friends who are in the same industry as us who'd be like, do you want to play today? I was like, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I went from just taking one step at a time to being able to play high-intensity squash for 90 minutes. Yeah. And beat one of the most competitive comedians we know, Dave Hughes. Totally. Who's like, to date uh, still hasn't let it go. Uh, yeah, yeah, 100%. So <laughs> it's just like I miss that. I miss because that competitive with squash, like basketball and, and soccer, I miss that competitiveness. So I think that for me, it's like at the start, and I didn't know where the end was. Like that's the thing. You don't know where the end is going to be. Like, like what with, do you with mean the, by end? So you might have a particular goal, right? You're like, I want to run a marathon or I want to do – do a triathlon or whatever, right? But sometimes, especially with me, I didn't have that end goal. So I was like, I just want to slowly get fitter. And and like literally at first it was like just a simple walk and walking that little bit further each day was enough. Mm -hmm. Like it was really enough. And then I was like, actually, maybe I'll try squash. First time I played squash, it was five minutes. And then I was cooked. You know, I was there with my Ventolin just going, I think I'm going to have a heart attack. But then the next time I played 10 minutes of squash. The next yeah. time I played 30 minutes of squash. And then before you know, it was like, Actually, I just played a full game. Yeah. So it's just like, it's that thing where it's like building up. And the thing about it is you can always find time. When you're a parent, like you're time poor, being able to set aside time where everyone else is asleep, I always think that for me was such a big win because you're like, I'm just waking up that extra half an hour early. Like mm. I know I could get that sleep, but instead I turn that half an hour of sleeping into, you know, maybe, you know, 5,000 steps. Mm. And I've already, I'm already going to get that other 5,000 because I've got such a busy day. Before you know it, you've hit your 10,000 steps. That's another great little pointer to try and get it out of the, at, at the start of the day before life gets in the it's way. It's huge. I am such a big, I just love waking up in the morning. Like I just love waking up before everyone else. Yeah. Ben, yeah. thank you so much for joining me right, on this uh, second episode as well. It's been so much fun uh, having you here. And just sort of reliving some of our, uh, our stories from, yeah, which we've kind of forgotten back. about. I, yeah. I forgot how we all started with all of this. But one of the main reasons I want to have you on the pod as well is to remind myself that this is a continuous journey. Like, you know, yep. you and I have had some success with getting healthier. We're, we're very strong with our sobriety. But when it comes to nutrition, for example, we can waver definitely with fitness, with the injuries that totally. come and go. But the key point being just start and just do something and no matter what setbacks happen, as long as you don't quit, you're always going to be better for it. Just do something. Love it. Well, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, Ben and I are absolutely shredded like our next guest. His biceps are as big as my quads, his quads are the size of my back, and his back is just as good as his front. Andrew Papp joins me. Andrew, at the time of recording, which is roughly around 1.30 in the Alvo, um, What's the training you've done so far already? 
Uh, this morning it was a 5 a.m. rise and uh, I went for a, a bit of a trot and then caught up with some mates. We did some stair repeats, we did some body weight training and then went for a swim and had a coffee and that's how I started my day. So, Mate, that's incredible. And here's the thing, I'm relatively new to genuinely liking exercise, right? Uh, it's something that took me a while to get to. It was not till I was like four or five years ago until I was 33 that I got to. How long has being active been part of your life? Is that something since high school? Yeah, of course, mate. I mean, with anything that's difficult, you will get through it if there's an, if the purpose, the gear that's driving you is deep enough, if it means enough to you. Now, if it's simply something that's superficial, or even if it's something of you've got to beat somebody else, that's usually these more superficial tendencies aren't enough to kind of get you out of those troughs or, you know, reignite that motivation or get you out of bed at certain times or push through certain sets or activities, etc. So if it wasn't a big part of my life, and, and I have many reasons to do it, and to keep this consistency and this intensity wouldn't be feasible. And I always do have things in my objective and my eyesight that I want to achieve, but it is a part of my day-to-day and it makes me a better person for myself and the people around me. In 2019, I did do well, I went from 125 kilos at the start of 2018 to then doing a full marathon in 2019 in October. So how often have you come across this in your work where someone comes with you with a big goal, but get demotivated because you tell them, well, it's, this is how long it's going to take? All the time. Um, essentially, uh, I'm somebody that I feel that you, we've got to keep things realistic. We've got to keep things digestible uh, and applicable for individuals. And it's really coming down to, you know, looking at that ambition or that goal and then working back from that and not starting too gun ho mm. and, and it's often the case in this industry where there are these you know, big challenges and, you know, weight loss challenges or very restrictive parameters, whether it's your nutrition, your training, things you do in your day-to-day, you know, no alcohol, no coffee, um, you know, train once or twice a day every day, so no days off or don't eat any carbs or only eat fats or don't eat fats, etc. So there's a lot of noise out there that's conflicting. There's a lot of noise out there that's giving, instilling a lot of anxiety within people to thinking, mm. what's good mm. food? What's bad food? What's good training? What's bad training? Am I sleeping too long, too little, this and that? So because we have access to so information, it's usually that sense of, um, I guess, people are paralyzed to over-analysis. Yeah. I kept getting told you have to do this or you should do that or do crunches or, you know, do burpees and pull-ups or whatever. Instead, I was just like, well, what do I want to do? And the weight loss or whatever is just going to be the bonus that comes off the back of doing it rather than the reason you're doing it. Is that something that you try and incorporate with your clients? Yeah, I think when people generally think of exercise or activity, being active, they are thinking of something that is not pleasurable, something that's a chore, you know, do this and then reward yourself with this. Right. Um, So I think it's about untraining that concept. And it's understood that people feel that way because it's usually they are looking at, okay, how many calories did I burn? Because the outcome they want is to for weight loss. Um, Mm. And it does get people stuck in in this uh, in this position of thought that, that it's an obligation. And I think like you, you're, you're mentioning, you're getting towards is that if you find something you enjoy, it doesn't become that obligation or chore anymore. It's actually something you actively want to participate in. For the majority of people, it is about calories in, calories out, staying active and making it suit your lifestyle and doing something you enjoy, building community and building a positive relationship to that. 
And most importantly, it's all, that will make it consistent. And I think there's something I saw recently where they were talking about the idea of neglect, you know, saying, oh, you know, I've worked too much. I'm neglecting my family or with my family. I neglect, you know, like trying to reprioritize where, how you show up for your family. And someone said, you know, there's a version of neglect that we don't think about, which is showing our children that we didn't meet our potential, like not being accountable to yourself and breaking promises to yourself is actually a bad message. So if you can find a way to still figure out what it is that you need to do and achieve those things, you actually end up being a better parent. And also, I think, at least I'm not a parent, but my brother is. And I know from talking to him, he's far more re-energized and engaging with his daughter if he has ticked off his to-do list. Certainly. Yeah, you've got to compromise like in any relationship and it's a relationship to yourself. But some things should be, uh, you need to have uh, and need to be permanent, need to be fixed. And you need to value your word. And if you're going to commit to something, that's got to mean something. Yeah. And I think that that accountability is something I'm working on to try and not outsource it to being a, someone in the public or with my other podcast and things like that, because I want to learn how to not disappoint myself because I've become very good at it over the years. But as soon as I make it a public statement, my ego kicks in and I know I'll get it done. I find it interesting how my mind has shifted because I'm coming off the back of injury or I'm not performing at the level I was, say, two years ago. At the post-pandemic, I was my peak fitness because I, I was in Melbourne. I had nothing else to do but to do body workouts and runs. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, doing handstands and headstands and I'm loving life. And then one after the other, life gets in the way. And now here I am 20 kilos more. What have you come across, say, what's your biggest sort of setback slash injury? What, what process did you use to try and get through that? Yeah, it's a good question. I think this is where a lot of people can find themselves in a tricky situation internally when they're comparing themselves to where they once were. It's un we're being unfair to ourselves. If you're living in the past, you're living in re regret. And if you're living in the future, you're living with anxiety. You want to live in the present and think, okay, well, I'm Dilruk, I'm here now. And you can recognize in the past, I used to weigh a lot more. And now I'm now I'm doing things that I wouldn't even, couldn't even consider or imagine back then, and and when you think about the future, you think about what can I plan, what can I strategize, what can I get excited for, what can I work towards and build, rather than thinking I used to do this and now I hate myself and I'm unkind to myself now because you know this is who I used to be and look where I am now. But you've also got to recognize that life changes and you know you've got more responsibility. A lot of things are happening, the pandemic, etc. But once you understand the information, then you make best use of knowing what you're working with and then slowly build it back up again. And I, for myself, man, I, I, I had a bulge disc, my L5-S1 disc. Ah, same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brutal. My entire body just tilted to the side and I was walking crooked. I even was on, I did MasterChef the entire time. I was just tilted and they never mentioned why. So it just looked like I'd shit myself with my own mystery box <laughs> situation happening in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and as you know, it's painful and uh, it's debilitating and it prevents you to do from what I was, because this is when I was training, really you know, lifting a lot of heavy weights, et cetera. And um, I learned a lot about myself in that time uh, in terms of checking my ego or who am I when I can't train? Do I have any other assets or any mm. other things that I offer to other people or be proud about? And I have flare-ups, you know, every now and then. I had one recently where I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't hold my daughter. And that's when I said, you know what? I can't train. I can't exercise. 
um, which I know it's something that's good for me in many, many ways. So that's when I started to go on the ocean every morning to help with the inflammation, but also to start my day in a positive manner. And that's when I thought, no, oh, this is really good. I'm going to do it for every day of winter. I guess what started in pain ended up be, becoming something that was an, an absolute success um, from this cold water exposure, from all the physiological and psychological benefits, but also starting a new habit, starting a new routine. And now my back's fine. I'm back into training and everything like that. And uh, there's lessons to be learned in any time that we fall short or injure ourselves. Yeah, you're just collecting evidence for like a hypothesis you have about yourself. And the more you do that, whether it's the cold showers or sorry, jumping in cold water exposure, it's just you giving yourself little votes to say, yep, this is the type of person I am and it's still am, you know? That's right, mate. Absolutely. Andrew, two things uh, to finish up with. Firstly, tell people where they can find you and see uh, what mountain you're climbing or <laughs> Mariana Trench you're deep diving into. <laughs> and secondly, if there is someone listening to this and is, you know, still on that fence of not really getting going, they're self-conscious about getting into the gym or anything like that, is there something that you can share with them that, you know, they might not have thought about? Well, first and foremost, uh, if you want to see what I'm doing all the time uh, on Instagram, I kind of share my workouts every day and, and, and a little bit of, bit of motivation and, and key thought uh, trains of thoughts that can sort of help you in your endeavours. Uh, I also have a, an adventure retreat called Adventure 365. So if you want to come to New Zealand or other places where we host these incredible retreats, um, we're focusing on your mindset, we're focusing on different therapies, we're doing sunrise hikes and all these extreme, fun, thrilling activities, um, that's, that's a really good place to come to recalibrate and go back home as a, a stronger version of yourself. For the individuals who are, you know, whether they're beginning their journey or they want to kickstart the engine again, but there are a lot of uh, barriers that they see in front of them, we've got to recognise that we want to achieve something that's a good thing, but it, you're not going to get to A all the way to Z. You've got to go through the steps and sometimes it's just showing up and you've got to know, realise that don't be afraid of what other people think about you and don't be afraid if you think people are going to be judging you when you walk and step through the door, if you don't, if you feel like you don't look in good in a certain attire, whether it's active wear, because you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. When you work on yourself, it's not gonna help them. It's not, it doesn't affect them. You're just doing, you're starting your journey purely to make your life, uh, I guess, a high, you wanna live a higher quality of life. You wanna live longer. You wanna live a better means for yourself and your loved ones. And that's what you just have to continue to focus on when you feel that there are barriers and resistances of you getting to places. So just continue to listen to yourself, focus on yourself and just do one thing, one step at a time. Yeah, I love that because just literally yesterday I did my first boxing class and it started off with skipping and I was just getting my my boobs just smashing me in the face and I'm like, oh God, this is embarrassing how <laughs> my man titties are just jiggling there. And then I looked around, everyone's just focused on themselves, but was so constantly thinking that, oh, they're going to watch me and judge me. No one cares. Everyone's dealing with their own problems. Always, mate. That's, the, that's, that's how it works, right? <laughs> Everyone's more focused on what they're thinking about themselves. And if you just stay in your own lane, like you're just fine. You cut out so much of that noise. My next guest is certainly no stranger to the gym, but as an ex-beach sprinter, she's also pretty well-versed on getting a workout wherever in the world you are, which for a lot of people like myself can be the most challenging part of all of this. How do you get fitness into your life if you can't always make it to the gym or don't even have a membership in my case? Katie Williams joins me now. 
Katie, thank you so much for joining me for this episode, uh, which is around fitness. Now, I'm relatively new to fitness in the sense that it's only been about four, five years that I've decided to prioritize being physically active, for lack of a better word. Just movement is the broadest term I can use to describe what I do, which is that, you know, you got to do something every day. But for you, how long has this been something that's been part of your life? Well, first of all, four years is brilliant. And it's amazing that you've made the switch. Like you can literally have two days experience as long as you just keep, you know, moving forward. Mm. I've been an athlete, yeah, for all of my life, really. I started yeah. my sport. I was a sprinter and I started it at four years old. And I also started with gymnastics. So I would say from age four, I was training a lot. I trained sort of full time with sprinting for 10 years and now it's just a part of my lifestyle. At the moment, I'm not training anything massively specific. I will be next year, but I kind of go in bouts of setting a goal and then creating a training sort of program with a coach working towards that. But at the moment, like you, is daily movement and movement for my mind and my body and for general health. You're someone who's in the biz and you still recognize the need for a coach. Like yeah. something I always talk about in terms of like, you know, I was explaining to my parents about therapy and how I get there, you know, I have a therapist and they're like, but you're so mentally resilient and you're so, you know, good with your mental health. And I'm like, I appreciate that. But I was like, you know, even Roger Federer has a tennis coach. LeBron James has a basketball coach, <laughs> you know, even the best in the world needs someone dedicated to looking at their work and seeing how they can finesse it. I almost think the answer to that question is in the question like, oh, well, not the question, but the statement, but you're so resilient. And you can follow that up with, well, yes, because I have a coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I get that like you're fit. And I go, well, or I'm I, coming back from injury, you go, well, yeah, because I had a coach. Right. Like we all need coaches. I think it's so important in every aspect of your life to have a coach or a mentor to bounce ideas off, but also to guide you. Mm. We will have an episode coming up on, you know, finance and investments. And I always say people forget the biggest investment you can actually do for your future income is investing in yourself yeah. in the right way. Like actually paying for things that you know will make you better. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I think I think having a trainer is an investment. Having a, a coach in any way is an investment. Like I have an NLP coach. I work mm. with a kinesiologist. I have a Reiki teacher. Like, yeah, I think it's brilliant. They all serve different purposes. So in terms of our listeners who are out there, the struggle for a lot of them, including myself as a traveling comic, is lacking consistency. In terms of actual practical advice, what do you reckon from your perspective would be a really small win that they can have on the road when it comes to fitness? When it comes to fitness, there's lots of things you can do with limited equipment. First of all is running. All you need is a pair of sneakers, headphones if you listen to music, a good Spotify playlist or listener playlist, wherever you get your music. And then you can map your run out with Map My Run or you can map your run out with Strava. I think if someone is new to running, I would suggest doing walk and run. So you could pick an interval. You could walk for 100 metres, run for 100 metres, walk for 1K, run for 1K, or you can do it by time. So you could run for 30 seconds and if you lose your breath, walk again. So you can either do time-based or you can do distance-based runs the other good thing about traveling and exercise is you can often always find a hill or a set of stairs to train on. And I say strip it back, make the session easier and then see how you feel. So start off with, if you've got stairs or you've got a set of hills, 
Start off going, I'm going to do three laps. Check in, see how you feel. No, I'm going to make that six. Can you throw in at the bottom of that some push-ups, squats, core work? Other things you can bring on the road would be a skipping rope or a yoga mat. So there's a lot of bodyweight exercises you can do on a yoga mat or a workout mat. How do you push through the pain on frustration of a skipping rope? <laughs> because yeah. I'll tell you what, Katie, I bought, I bought a skipping rope during the pandemic. I'm like, great, this is something that I've never been good at. I'm feeling fitter. I'm lighter now. Let me get the... Oh my God, catching the rhythm of it is so hard. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'll tell you what I do. Skipping is extremely hard. It definitely is. But it is the best bang for your buck when it comes to burning calories. Nothing burns calories quite like skipping. It's actually exhausting. Your arms burn, your legs burn, your core burns because you're engaging your core. It fires up your glutes. Skipping it is an amazing calorie cardio burner for almost your whole body, but also if you're new to sprinting, and obviously it's it's great for boxing as well. But the good thing about skipping is obviously it's skill-based, so it does take a while to get the hang of it. But once you've actually got it, you can throw in a few tricks. Or I like to actually listen to a song and skip for the, the um, length of the song. But I will listen to a really upbeat song to keep me going, and then I'll take a break. What are the songs where that you'll go to? Well, I actually like a lot of Eminem. I don't know how upbeat that is, but like fast-paced, <laughs> kind of aggressive. Uh, the reason why I'm laughing is uh, the me and the producers of this show, we've been talking about Eminem constantly. Love him. Until I Collapse is my go-to. Oh, my God, I love. Uh, and as, as soon as you said, yeah. which uh, as soon as I asked that song, I knew which one I go to. Until I Collapse is literally like I quit a run once. There was a run where I started and I just couldn't do it. And in fact, I started heading towards the, I mean, Melbourne at the time. Uh, to Vic Markets. They had the night markets. I'm like, I'm just going to go eat something. And then the song kicked in and I think the lyric was something along like, you know, um, sometimes you just want to give up. <laughs> and he's like, but you got to search within you. You got to find that inner strength to pull you that can't. shit out of him. I'm like, yeah, you're right, man. And I ran 5K. <laughs> so the problem is that asshole hasn't released a new album all year. So I'm really struggling <laughs> to find. So it's been Taylor Swift's Midnight's at the moment. But <laughs> Oh my God, stop. Antihero. Midnight Haze. <laughs> I want to see you on the treadmill screaming those lyrics out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. I think that's actually very true for our entire conversation so far. <laughs> you need uplifting music. You do because it also takes a while for the endorphins to kick in. Like, I don't know about you, but there'll be some sessions where, you know, when you reach that point where you're getting sweaty and you feel the endorphins, then you kind of feel unstoppable. And I feel like throughout those sessions, it'll either come, most of the time it comes to you, but sometimes depending on how fatigued you are mentally and physically, It'll kick in at different points. So I always love to listen to music that I love on the day, like high vibe music on the days that I'm struggling. Or I'll shift the goal from being like a physical fitness or performance goal to I'm just going to move for my mind. Like I do that often with running and boxing is something for me that I will do when I'm really angry or I've got a lot of energy and I'm ready to like punch the shit out of something. Like I need to shift the energy. (laughs) So it's like I I sort of choose different activities based on how I'm feeling. Mm. I'll take this back to, to people that are on the road as well. I think this is a really good question coming back to again, what does my body need right now? If you've had a day where you're in the car, you're driving all day, your hip flexors are tight, your back is aching, you're exhausted and you're over it, I don't know if going for a big hit session or, you know, a massive run is right for you at that moment. Maybe Mm. like just getting into your hotel or your Airbnb or going to the park or going for a swim at the beach and having a stretch and a walk 
is the way to do it. So like exercise in the morning is great because as the day goes on, your willpower starts to diminish. Like you, you're really strong throughout the day. And then as you get tired and you've had a lot of decision fatigue, you can often make poorer choices at night. I like training at night because I always have, but I find I get a lot more excusey in the afternoon. Like mm. I, I say the word excusey, but I hear the negative voices come through like, oh, no, nah, do you really need to? You can train tomorrow. Have a glass of wine. Relax. Do you really need to do this exercise? And these voices come in that realistically I'm not tired. Yeah. Sometimes I just mentally can't be bothered. So I think it's understanding what have you got in the tank and what will make you feel good. I think willpower and discipline, I try and look at that as as another muscle in itself. And that, you know, the longer you have to use it throughout the day, the weaker and more atrophied it's going to get. So if you can try and knock out the ones that, you know, will require more willpower than others, get that out of the way as soon as possible when your, you know, willpower muscle is at its strongest. Got to eat the frog. Eat the frog, exactly. The meditation, the journaling, whatever it is that you resist, Mm. get it done early. Because once you've got it done, you feel good. Katie, I can't thank you enough for sharing so much today that is obviously going to be beneficial, not just to people listening, but even to me directly. So I really appreciate your time. If people want to seek out more of what you do, what's the best place for them to find you? Thank you so much. I loved this chat. Um, I've actually got a podcast called Better For It, so the community can find that anywhere you get your podcasts. And hit me up on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Katie Williams and also on TikTok as Katie Williams as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. These last two episodes, we have seen how diet and exercise are two big factors in driving your best life. But there is a third super important part of your health to consider. Very few people are willing to give themselves what they give all of the other important people in their life. And my question is why? If you are healthier and happier, then those people that are important to you get the benefits of that. That's right, you guessed it. In our next episode, we get serious about mental health. That's next time on The Driver's Seat. Listener.